Hi, my name is Lydia Kang, author of Star Wars, The High Republic Cataclysm, and you are listening to The Living Force. Welcome to The Living Force Podcast. No need to fear. There are others like you here. A Utini Podcast Network production. Can you get your porta potty off the starting line? Episode 217, Star Wars Visions Season 2 Roundtable Part 2. Clear path, strength, courage. On this episode, why buy the whole farm when you can buy just the cow? You there, hold it! New Patreon events are now available. Follow the light. And the Utini crew continues their discussion about Season 2 of Star Wars Visions. She's a total And now, here are your hosts, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Henkel, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Living Force, a Utini Network podcast. Tonight, that is all about Star Wars Visions. And you know what? Because it was technically made during last show, happy Pride Month, everybody. It's June 1st. Um, I... Did the uh, a very fun thing today for the first time in my life. I own property, so I screwed in a little flag holder, and we have this giant pride flag outside our home now. So if you see it, that's my house. Anywhere in the world. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight to talk all about visions and, of course, the regular nonsense is a full crew, though not maybe the full crew, starting off with the man who I would kill to see his heart rate activity last night. It's Dr. Charles Hankel. What's up, buddy? Uh, what's going on, man? Listen, I have a whoop band like Wes and Corey both do as well. So if you actually want to see that data, I have it available to you. Oh, my God. Put it on Patreon. Charles's <laughs> NBA Finals whoop stats as a Patreon exclusive. They're not good. They're not good. No, but the Heat are good. The Heat are good. We, you guys won last night. At this point in time, we're doing well. It's 1-1 series. NBA Finals, for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, Denver Nuggets, we split the games on the road for us. So they're going back to Miami for the next two. I think Eric might come over, watch game four, it sounds like, with me. So yeah, buddy. He will. I don't know if you'll be watching the game or if you'll just be watching like the pulsation in my neck that's there for the <laughs> entire two and a half hours, but it'll be a show either way. Why not both? Why not both? Uh, also, Charles, I hope you appreciate uh, – Tim did this last week as well when you weren't here. I know uh, what I he made, did. The lights, yeah. right? I yeah, listened. we made our lights – our lights are red now forever yes. for you. I listened to the episode, and uh, Wes, it did not escape me that you threatened to turn your screen, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it was one scene. That's all it was. It was just one scene. Well, we're happy to have you back, buddy, on a night where there is not an NBA Finals game, but there is – of course, the show, which means we could not exist, we could not function, nay, we could not thrive without the presence of the luptuous voice you heard just now. It is Mr. Wes Jenkins. Hey, buddy. Hey, that luptuous is too much. That's uh, that's too nice. <laughs> we of found you. it. Um, that's not a word. <laughs> well, yeah. What's going on, everyone? Um, I have missed out on a hockey game that's going on between the Knights and the Panthers. I know that they. Um, Game one, I caught a little bit of it. I was at a party on Saturday, so um, I think game two is tonight because I was looking yesterday and I could not find game two, and I don't understand why they would have a game every other day instead of just every night until they switch they switch cities, but I could be wrong. Um, but that I, I've been keeping up with that before I keep it up with basketball, Charles, because your team is actually in the finals and mine is about nine years away from it. So um, <laughs> I've switched sports. Trust the process, <laughs> right, Wes? Just got to trust the yeah. process. That's absolutely right. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, it's not lost on me that 
the Vegas Knights and the Florida Panthers are in the two hottest places in the United States than their ice hockey in the Stanley <laughs> Cup Finals. It's gross. <laughs> um, however, I got to give a shout out. One of my best friends in the world, uh, Steph Din, who I've known for like 15 years, is a huge Vegas Knights fan. Uh, so I, she texted me those updates. So go Knights. Uh, also because we have the Charlotte Knights. So I'm a, I'm a Knights fan as far as mascots go. Uh, but lots of great fun sports happening. Lots of fun everything happening. If you're listening and your team of choice is in a final, great. If not, you're like me. You know, <laughs> um, and we just live like this all the time. <laughs> but of course, if you're watching a quick reminder to make sure you like this video and subscribe to the channel to make sure you get all of our goings on. And if you're listening to us on audio, hello. Thank you for putting us in your earbuds and trusting us with your day. Make sure you review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, what have you. Just tell people to listen. Even if it's not true, just tell them. Uh, but before we get into some of the Star Warsing stuff this week, um, of course, we want to talk about our weeks. I have two updates of my life I wanted to share with you guys, my friends, and of course, all of you listening and watching. As a lot of you may know, uh, Charles, Corey, and I, and some other folks have been making our way through Brandon Sanderson's uh, novels out of nowhere, only, what, 10 years late? Um, this week, I finished my latest one, which is Warbreaker. I, of course, bought the stupidly expensive, really shiny, leather-bound book, and I loved it a lot. Beautiful book, um, I like that nice. purple and gold. It's my favorite one they've had so far. There is some lettering in here that is purple because of a certain character's dialogue, which is a nice touch. And there are illustrations within the book itself. Oh, nice. So not that I need to, like, sell this. I'm not making a commission off it. But, like, there's a lot of really cool – I could. Dragonsteel, give us that affiliate link. Um, Had a great time. If you're into high fantasy and you love Brandon Sanderson, you've probably read this already. Uh, It's a standalone novel, though, as well. Not part of a trilogy, so I liked that as well. I kind of just got to read and listen to it. Thanks to Hoopla from my local library. And when I wasn't reading or playing Fortnite, uh, y'all, I saw Across the Spider-Verse this weekend, like I guess most of America. It's a perfect movie. It's 10 out of 10. I got nothing to add to the discourse. Uh, go see it. I, I, When I left that movie, I was like, well, now I'm just going to not be seeing this movie. Like, I'll be going to work and like doing things that aren't seeing that movie, and that sucks. Well, the movie's yeah. so good, the rest of my life pales in comparison. Mm. And I've today heard, we're talking about other animation. You're really, you're really selling it, Eric. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it, it, is a, it is a truly transformational film experience. A lot of people have been saying that. Um, a lot of, like, the buzz is obviously very good. It's going to make a ton of money, which is great. But truly, if, like, tonight you're, you like Visions or you're a fan of any kind of animation, no one is doing it like the folks at Sony with the Spider-Verse movies. So, could not recommend higher. Um, Wes, I'm not even going to say what you wrote in this outline. Just tell the people what you did. Cause I am, I am tr- more intrigued than maybe I've ever been about something you've said on this show. This is the most exciting thing that's happened to me in a long time. And I'm sure everybody is not going to be surprised. So I bought a cow. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah, that checks out. That's so good. Go on. Um, well, I didn't technically <laughs> buy a whole cow. I bought half a cow and it is Dead, or it's <laughs> the, it's, it's going to be dead um, in the next couple weeks. <laughs> this is a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, um, so I was uh, I was using Butcher Box to order uh, meat to my house. So instead of uh, going to the grocery store and paying for 
um, meat that I don't know where it's coming from. I, I started using Butcher Box where it was like grass-fed beef, um, grass-finished. It was a healthy alternative to going to the grocery store and playing, paying higher markup for a, a less quality beef. Sure. Um, and chicken sometimes too. So um, I started doing the math. And um, there are ranches in Texas that will sell you a half cow and a whole cow um, for when give you cuts um, to your liking, custom cut it. And I found out that I'd save quite a bit of money if I just did that, put it in my deep freeze instead of getting a butcher box every month. Um, so I, uh, I did that on Saturday and I was gleefully excited when the woman called me we went over the cuts that i was gonna have and when we got to the end of the page she goes okay and this is the last part um would you like the heart and i said yes would you like the liver Uh uh-huh would you like the cheek you betcha and would you like the tongue put it in there so i got all i got all the other like trimmings that nobody really likes Yes, I was like, "Give me all, please." And so, I've had tongue before, Eric. Um, Yum. I've eaten it. I mean, I've eaten it. I've, I mean, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I've eaten so, tongue. I've eaten tongue. It's, it's pretty good. It's not yeah. bad. Um, I, I, I went to a middle school egg, dance. So. I've eaten tongue. We didn't know what the hell <laughs> oh, we were doing. Lord. But yeah, so I have uh, I have to go pick that up uh, in Schulenburg, which is an hour away from here. Um, so. I'm actually excited about it. It's gonna be fun. I'm gonna fill the freezer. There's nothing like filling your freezer. That it sounds good. Well, you got me on butcher box in my other window here, Wes. Now, and I'm looking at all this meat, and I'm like, oh man, how maybe you, I should yeah. buy a cow. How do you get a half cow, but get the tongue and the heart and the liver as well? Did you get the top like, half. They um, so first they they make sure there's another buyer for your other half, and that they don't they want give it. You half the they give you half the tongue. If they don't want it, they'll give me the whole the yeah. whole tongue. Is it like a King Solomon <laughs> and the baby situation where they're like, "Tell me it's yours," and then you just actually cut it in half? Well, yeah, and they were pretty uh, they were pretty adamant that I was going to get everything was from the same cow, and I was just like, you know, I really don't care. I just want the meat. I don't care if it comes from ten different cows. So it's cheaper than what I was paying, which is um, smart move on my part, I think. I guess, yeah. For and then sure. right before that, I watched a documentary with Bethany about how bad eating meat is. So mm. I was like, this doesn't deter me Worked from like a, a charm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Caroline in the chat, I agree. Wes, the way I'd gotten so excited about the idea that you were getting a pet cow, I thought that Doc <laughs> was going to have a friend. Oh. Like, and we were gonna, like, like city that. slickers? Yeah. Like city slickers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, my no, goodness. I'm going to eat it. <laughs> All right. Well, I was like, "Did you? Did they tell you what his name was before you bought him?" I was like, "No, I don't want to know his name." No, his name. I is don't want to know the cow's name. Absolutely, it's no, a you're... number. The cows have a number. Yeah, you're not psychotic. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, not in that way. Uh, gosh, now you got to keep keep us updated though. When you first cook this this the steaks or whatever you have, like I, I, I want to follow this journey of yours. <laughs> I'll um, take a picture of me picking it up at the butcher. All right, so it'll be packaged. It's not going to be like <laughs> you're grabbing a cow, yeah, <laughs> slinging it over your your back and bringing it back to your cave. Uh, I would. Oh, I know you Anyways. would. You absolutely would. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess Patreon. We're going to get Charles's whoop statistics during the fi- the finals, and then pictures of Wes's meat sacks. So <laughs> okay, well, I mean, neither of those are true. Everything right. Yet. Everything has a price. <laughs> everything has a price. It's not, 
Corey's not here, but it sounds like he's here. That's right. And speaking <laughs> of that, you can join our Patreon for actual things over at patreon.com slash utini. Um, and thank you to everyone that has done so, um, both recently and in the long distant past. We love you all. This past week, you did get a double dose of Patreon content, which included the Seagulls bad lip reading reaction video from our friends at Legends Look Back, which had me freaking rolling. Um, if you, Again, I think we Tim mentioned it last week. Half the Legends Look Back crew had never seen the Seagulls Stop It Now Empire Strikes Back lip reading video, and half of them had. So they got a live reaction video of that all happening. Go check that out. And then, of course, I uh, did record a video of my collection of uh, my Funkos and lightsabers and all the other things I've spent too much money on. I kind of took you through how I put that up and how I organize it. And everyone who has reached out actually very favorably to me personally, thank you so much. It actually means a lot because uh, I sit in this office all day and look at my stuff, and I like it. So I guess I'm glad that I got the validation. I'm not broken by the American schooling system and needing validation for everything I do. You are. Shut up. Anyway, uh, keep your eyes peeled to Patreon for future outings that we have. All right. Next up, we have just a couple quick things for a Star Wars Weekly Roundup. It's the Star Wars Weekly Roundup! Alright, two quick things we want to talk about this week. The first is from a little periodical called Esquire Magazine. Uh, part of the fun things about the Star Wars news cycle is that we every so often we get the articles and reveals from like your Vanity Fairs, Hollywood Reporters, and Esquire, things like that. And this week, we got two brand new images from Ahsoka, which is coming out in two and a half months-ish? Ish? Mm. Um, yeah, and they looked <laughs> amazing. Uh, I know we have a couple of them here. Wes, surprise me with what we're going to see first, because I don't want to okay. I don't want to cue you up for something that's the wrong image. We run a professional show here. <laughs> all right, so first of all, we have this mystery inquisitor, uh, fully masked up, fully double-bladed. Uh, and I got to say, guys, I think this looks... Like the most live action accurate to animation we've seen so far. What do you think? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. Like the, I think it's it's easier, not really easier, but it's more believable because you have his face completely covered up, and you don't have to worry about mm-hmm. people like critiquing the face or the makeup or something like that. It's mm-hmm. like, and it, it, it kind of rem- reminds me of uh, the Knights of Ren a little bit. Oh, very. <clears throat> yeah. It's it has that's like an actual medieval knight's helmet. Um, he yeah. can't see or she. Nope. I don't know if it's he or she cannot see out of there whatsoever. Um, so yeah. <laughs> that's that's how you're going to defeat this character. So I'm going to tell you right now, just come at him from anywhere but straight ahead. <laughs> you're good. You know what that that helmet reminds me of? One of the helmets that Heath Ledger bangs off in a knight's tail and goes flying through the air. It's one of them looks exactly like that. If you know, you know. Uh, yeah, definitely vision problems. Maybe they see with the fours. I don't know. I did see a conspiracy theory, which I just want your guys' initial reactions on. I do not believe in it. And I know we don't go a lot into speculation, but some folks were like, what if the helmet comes off and it's freaking Ezra? No. I also think no. But what a fun little moment. What, what a fun if little moment that would be. The helmet <laughs> yeah, comes Wes, off. Yeah, great reaction to that. <laughs> what if the helmet comes off and it's Grogu on someone else's shoulders? It could literally be anybody. <laughs> oh my God. What if it's Pedro Pascal? He <laughs> only plays <laughs> helmeted characters, but not as Din Djarin, just Pedro Pascal. <laughs> That's all it is. 
but yeah, this was really cool to see. I like just the, the style. It looks good. It doesn't look cheap, uh, which I think sometimes we get sometimes we get some Star Wars shots. I'm like, okay, you're yeah. in the volume, just standing around. But this looks nice. Um, and then the second one we got, uh, Courtesy of Empire again. They have a whole article. Definitely go check that out. Uh, was of two of our favorite heroines, Ahsoka and Sabine, uh, hanging out right there. And I do believe... Sabine has Ezra's lightsaber. Is that what I'm seeing right there on her that's on what, her waist? That's what's going around the Twitter. It is. Yeah, yeah. I, saw, I saw that as well. I think so. Uh, th- they look great. I mean, Rosario's Ahsoka. We've seen a pretty good amount now. I think we're pretty used to her. Um, the makeup looks great. The Leku look great. Uh, and then, but Sabine, we're, we haven't really seen her as much. You know, got her on the circuit at Celebration. Um, how are you guys liking the transfer of Sabine into live action here? Because her like overly colorful style, I feel, could go either way. Especially like some of those season three Mandalorians we saw that were just too pastel and didn't look mm-hmm. the best. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think she looks good here. The hair, I think, is the biggest thing that might yeah. take me out a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, I think the armor looks great. It definitely is a more yeah. muted version of what we see in animation. And, I mean, sure. everything that translates from animation to live action, it's not one-to-one. So, I mean, right. I'm not really expecting it to look exactly the same. I think she looks great, though. Yeah. I think they did a good job of kind of blending Rebel-style uh Rebel style attire, plus her like her love of art and colors and stuff. Um, but if they change her hair, like every other episode, mm-hmm. then that would probably bring me in a little bit because she had like different hairstyles each season of Rebels. Right, Not every season, but um, I think like two or three times her hair had changed. Mm-hmm. So um, that would be cool to see if they added that in there. But yeah, we'll see. A great question in the chat here about the timeline of Ahsoka the White, which we see, you know. Where she's where at the end of Rebels we do see yeah very Gandalfian of Ahsoka coming mm-hmm. in and being like we got to go find Ezra and Sabine's like yes but at that point we see Ahsoka here of course in a very gray robe so is that going to be a huge thing I don't know however that being said hold on I got it behind me where is she there she is if we could get this version of Ahsoka mm-hmm. in the show this is my my white Ahsoka oh gosh gotta focus there we go um. I love this like huge white cloak of hers, and I love the staff. I don't think we're going to get it. I do think this is going to be some somewhat out of it. But, again, looks good. Uh, I, I love that we're now in the press cycle of Ahsoka's the next thing, and I think mm-hmm. we're going to keep getting more and more. And, I mean, given how these things go, I feel like it's going to be Ahsoka time before we know it. They need to, they need to make a, a cut together of Treebeard carrying Merry and Pippin. Uh, through the woods and dropping them at the feet, and it's just Ahsoka instead of Gandalf. Oh my god, that would be amazing! I am Ahsoka the White. The White Wizard yeah. will know. <laughs> that would be the best. Uh, so that's gonna be awesome. Again, we don't have an exact date of that yet in August, but I know it's August. So knowing Star Wars, it'll be like August thirty first, I think, or something like that. So very stoked for that. But speaking of the Mandalorian and associated folks, we did get a Star Wars star. Getting a star uh, this week, of course, Carrie Fisher drastically overdue previously uh, got her star on the Walk of Fame. But this week, it was none other than Ming-Na Wen getting a star on the Walk of Fame. And good golly God, um, <laughs> looks fantastic. Looks fantastic. Um, and, and also so overdue. I mean, she's been such an icon in nerd culture from all the things she's done. Um, 
she's in the Marvel Universe, she's in the Star Wars Universe. She's just kind of done all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And just a massive congrats to uh, to Fennec Shan for, can, for, for getting on the, on the walk. Can I ask you a logistical question that I don't know the Absolutely. answer to? And this is not commentary on Carrie Fisher, Magnolia, and anybody else. How much space is, like, left? Is this just, like, one street? I don't don't what's yeah. the both what's sides. the plan i think it's both, both sides? sides of the street yeah okay i think it's both sides of the street and so like what are they gonna do when they run out of stars hold on <laughs> how long is it, is it hollywood boulevard is that what i think is? some i think maybe some will get retired get replaced walk of fame. What you mean. <laughs> okay the or, walk of fame runs 1.3 miles east to west okay. on hollywood boulevard so this is a great question. Are there over 2,500? Huh. There are more than 2,500 stars right now. <laughs> but also, we know very famously how many feet are in a mile. 5,280 feet. Yeah. You pick there this you ball go. up. You run every one of them. You're killing me, Petey. Uh, <laughs> that's how I remember. 1,760 yards But that, yards but that star, is, it looks like it's probably like two by two. That's true. So twenty five. We're yeah, we're getting close. I mean, you might be out of something there, Wes. One day you're just gonna retire Marlon Brando and replace him with whoever I don't know, some baby Machine right Gun now. Kelly? Gonna, oh my! Stop! <laughs> stop it! You stop it right now. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm looking at this. This is interesting. Wow. So it's five thousand dollars, though. Oh my god. I imagine they find what? a new place. They find a new place to put the, the the stars after this. They retire the Hollywood Walk of Fame and they make it like something else. What? Something they put it like behind the city in, to walk of behind like an In and Out drive through. They're just like, yeah, oh, put the stars over here. What? I don't know that you want to get your star on the Walk of Fame on the Hollywood Boulevard, man. That place is a dump. What costs seventy five thousand dollars? <laughs> Getting a star. Getting one. You pay for it. Yeah, you got to pay for it. It's a sponsorship fee. It, it pays for the installation. It's also like something like that. That's not as yeah, cool it, anymore. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yes, congratulations give, give to make not one. Don't get me wrong. Every month, yeah, you no, have to rent you. it. <laughs> wow. five grand a month. All right. Well. Fund the upkeep and, mini- and minimize further taxpayer burden, which tells me there is some taxpayer burden to for have the, walk the Walk of, of Fame. Uh, oh, my God. Can you imagine paying your freaking property taxes and it's like, the Walk of Fame. I'm like, go die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean that person that made millions? <laughs> yeah. Although if you're if you're buying property in in Hollywood, I I, I think you're probably fine. Uh, but congr- congratulations, Ming Na Wen. Uh, tons of Star Wars actors, I'm sure, to come up there in the future. But speaking of the future, so many things come out in the future: Ahsoka, uh, the future movies. But before all of that, we have future books. Uh, this week, our friends at Penguin Random House Worlds did send over the early copies digitally of Inquisitor: Rise of the Red Blade by Delilah S. Dawson. Uh, I've started reading just the first couple chapters of that. But if you want to make sure your pre-order gets in for July 18th, go over to utini.com to our release schedule and make sure you have your pre-order set. Uh, So you're going to get that the day it releases. And while you're over there, just have a good time at the site. Check out the timeline. Check out the articles. Check out anything and everything you want. Um, Because I think we had ads on the site now. So, like, click on it, right? That's how that (laughs) works. I'm not in that Slack channel. I don't understand how it all works. I just assume it's all good for us. So head over to utini.com and uh, help out the site in whatever way you want. Now, 
For the remaining part of our show tonight, we are finishing up our conversation on Star Wars Vision Season 2. Uh, last week, we went through the first four episodes, which I think overall we were like, yeah, pretty good. Not really going to revisit. It wasn't necessarily our cup of tea and what we go to Star Wars for, but we all agreed it was kind of a cool idea. And this year, they really got a lot more different styles than last year. Charles, we missed you last week as uh, you were punished with a heat loss. Uh, I'm not saying that's why they lost, but, you know, <laughs> causality. Um, what did you think of the first four episodes of this season before we dive into the new ones just kind of as a whole <clears throat> good question i knew it was coming uh i can only really comment on the first episode sith because that was the only one of the first four that i watched i once, knew it once it became apparent i was not going to be <laughs> on that uh episode i was like i gotta i gotta just prep for the other ones and there were five for this week guys there were five that's true so that's true i only watched the first one which i did enjoy quite a bit um i have some commentary on this season as a whole after having watched those those six in total i am going to go back and watch the other ones especially because that wallace and gromit one i missed right that's um, right yep uh, i am have your mother. to watch that have to yeah. watch that so sad uh and trev on our team is is fighting a one-man crusade about how that is the best one although i guess Corey said that last week too so maybe maybe they're a fearsome duo but fair enough uh lots of fun with Seth. so let, let's go into these new ones and then we'll get all of our thoughts on the second season and what we think going forward as far as this initiative goes. So, oh, full spoilers ahead, by the way. For the second half of Vision Season 2, that's Journey to the Darkhead, Spy Dancer, The Bandits of Golok, The Pit, and Aou's Song. Aou's Song? Aou's Song! Uh, full spoilers ahead. <laughs> so, just so you know. All right, Episode 5, Journey to the Darkhead. This was done by Studio Mir out of South Korea. Uh, they worked on a bunch of projects, including The Legend of Korra. Uh, huge fan of Legend of Korra myself, and I know a lot of folks in the community are as well. In this episode, we see a mechanic from the Outer Rim as she travels back to her homeworld in order to destroy an ancient dark statue that may be powering the Sith in their war against the light. A young Jedi joins her and comes face-to-face -face with an evil from his past that threatens to turn him to the dark. On their treacherous journey up a massive mountain, the pair discover the true meaning of balance. Now, last week we talked a lot about how different the animation was from season one, how it was really non-traditional. This one really felt like more of a traditional anime style. Mm -hmm. um, knowing that they worked on things like Legend of Korra, that makes total sense. Um, what did you guys think about going to this more traditional style as opposed to even from Sith? Uh, you know, last week could not be more different. How did you feel going back to this kind of uh, art style? Well, I liked it because it was familiar. Which is weird, yeah. considering things I'm going to say later on about enjoying the uniqueness <laughs> of this sure. entire initiative. But it was not as hard to get into. Like There are some moments in some of the other ones we're going to talk about where it was five minutes in before I really felt like comfortable with what I was seeing. And, and sure, it right. didn't become like a thing I had to think about. Um, mm -hmm. Like I watched enough, you know, anime back in the day, whether it was like Dragon Ball or like Naruto. And it looks very similar to, mm -hmm. to this kind of animation. So it was a lot easier, I think, to jump into this story. Yeah. Um, I, weirdly enough, um, there was a, a lot of shows I used to watch on Nickelodeon when I was a young child, way back when. And uh, that was all anime, and I never even realized it. Mm -hmm. So when I... Um, <clears throat> So when I see these these types of animation in these studios to put this out, I'm like, that is very familiar 
to a couple of the ones that I watched when I was growing up. And um, I wish I had known because I probably would have gotten into a little bit more anime um, growing up. But um, yeah, it was it was very familiar. It was good uh, storytelling. The colors and the lights and everything were great. And I really dug the um, the I guess the Sith, yeah. Sith Lord. I don't know if called the Sith Lord, but his <laughs> his. Uh, his uh, his mask that he was wearing the entire Sick, time yeah. before he threw it away so cool with this Such unnecessary cool, uh, like scarf yeah. hanging from the mouth yeah like, <laughs> but it face. was also his mouth a little bit that's what I was like I love anime costumes like that they're like I don't know it's a scarf but also a mouth and it kind of moves yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I really I really like this as well for that reason I I feel like I could key into it it also felt very Star Wars from the jump like the aesthetic was very similar we got the dirty ships like. I knew exactly mm. kind of what to expect, and then once we started with the combat, where they, when the speeder was going up the mountain with that lightsaber duel, I was like, yeah. okay, like felt kind of like the the solo train heist meets like an epic lightsaber battle, and I I really loved the visual language of that. Now, now I will say this one because of all the stuff that happened with the our main character her and her homeworld and then the young jedi and then uh losing his master and that flashback and then the sith wanting to bring him in and then the dark uh, head statues this one i felt like could have been a little longer i felt like i learned a lot really fast rushed. and like by the end i was like oh i i like what they did here like i think it was a good story but kind of similar to ronin and and what they did with the book like oh i i probably could have used a, a full on story or novella about like this planet and these statues and their lore and what what how's the war going what's going on with that you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of um a burden on these these animated studios they they probably have i mean i'm sure they do they have a story to tell and a much longer story to tell but they yeah. are only given you know between 16 and 20 minutes mm-hmm. to get their like best interpretation of their star wars out to everybody yeah and then you know sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't so you know like you may like i've I've written a lot of essays for school and like the first part's really really good but then i find out that i'm like like the test is about to be over like you have like six minutes left before (laughs) class is over and you're like and in in conclusion (laughs) like it you just try to wrap it up really fast but in a sense it's like with this, you have to do it in a condensed version. Um, I feel like they could, yeah, they could have had like much longer. Could this could have been at least thirty minutes? You could have yeah, had yeah. a little bit more backstory on how that whole like vision with the rocks and kind of how they saw the future or or the past with the mm-hmm. um, with that Sith or that um, Jedi Master. So that was interesting in the very beginning. That was that was very interesting where they used those people to. Um, to figure out like what will happen in the future, what happens in the past, and they just write it down. And, yeah. like, we can't change anything, but we're just going to write it down. It's like, tell somebody, dude. Tell yeah, someone. Right. <laughs> it's like, like very much like happen. the wills in that way, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah. So one thing about the like not having much time to tell your story, well, there's two things really, but the first one is sometimes I think plot points get lost, and maybe this one was just lost on me. Maybe they do explain it, but I didn't understand how she ended up at the Jedi Temple asking like permission to then go back to her home world and do something and then she got granted this jedi to accompany her and then he was like why did you need a jedi and she was like i don't and i was like why did you end up at the temple i didn't understand that at all like do y'all have an answer for that i don't think it was explained 
no, in the very beginning, I thought she was a Jedi I because she was in front of the too. council. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, so, I, that specific got a little murky, absolutely. Well, all that to say, my biggest gripe with these, and overall, to be clear, I enjoyed them, and I enjoyed this one. My biggest gripe is that all of these stories, and I would do this too as a creator, they want to tell like this epic moment, right? You want to tell like the mm-hmm. most epic moment, you got to set it up, yeah. and then the last 33% of your episode is some cool fight, and then you close, right? But it yeah. kind of feels unearned. Because, like, I just found out who you were, like, seven minutes ago, and now I'm supposed to care that you're fighting someone with some deep backstory that I got 30 seconds of. You know what I mean? So, like, I love how they really are reaching, like, for these epic over-the-top moments and the battle on the mountain and up on the statues with with the two different sides and the balance and falling through that. I mean, it was all incredible. It was fun action, but at the same time, it was just, like, What's this guy's name again? You know what I mean? Which is yeah. like, it, it can't have the weight that I think they want with with that time constraint. I think that's the issue with it. Like, if they would take this and like they did with Roan and say, you know what? A lot of people love this one. There's a lot of potential here. Let's give it a short, um, like a mini series. I think I would almost yeah. like Visions more as like a bunch of mini series where you give a studio three episodes, 30 minute episodes to tell a story, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, and I think that's why, like, in season one, two of the standouts were, like, the Village Bride and the Ninth Jedi, right? Because mm-hmm. they were, like, here's our main characters. And Village Bride, you met, I think L was her name or whatever, and the Master. And there was this one bride in the village that they had to save. Small story, and but and you didn't need, learn a lot about L. but then that Jedi reveal at the end, and she saved him, boom, day over. Great story, wanted more, but didn't need it. And Ninth Jedi, we met her and her father at the beginning, and we got time with just them for a while to figure out what was going on. And then we figured out the Jedi plot, and then, like, it was just smaller contained stuff. And I do feel like this one tried to tell us the mechanics backstory, the Jedi's backstory. There's also a war going on, and then the myth about the the statues and everything like that. That being said, though, I did want to ask you guys one thing about this episode. We we got a lot about the balance of light and dark again, which, which really... (laughs) <laughs> kept happening in this season of visions they all work independently right so it's not like they really planned this but i guess philosophically do you guys think in star wars world the whole oh it needs to be light and dark in, in together and then that is how life goes forward do you think that actually still makes sense in the theology of star wars because i feel like george lucas was like Emperor's bad, Jedi are good. And we spent 40 years being like, well, maybe balance means everything. And I, I guess this this episode made me be like, nah, man, you got to get that red stuff out. You got to get rid of that. That is evil. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they've elaborated. They've The funnel was, you know, at the cone when it was Jedi good, Sith bad. And it's just progressed outwards. And now it's like, there's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of mixing of the colors and make it purple. Can't say gray. So can't say gray Jedi. <laughs> Sorry. You Don't do that. Purple, Don't do that. Purple, purple, purple Jedi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so no, I know what you're saying. So yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's been, I guess, expressed where both the light and the dark have to be in symbiotic, like motion together to be able to be mm. a balanced force. But I don't. That's kind of where we ended up. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, but yeah, 
I think it's a difference, though, between, like, are you talking about things in broad strokes or are you talking about specifics, right? Because, like, if, right, you, sure. if you take the step back and you talk about it the way that Luke did in The Last Jedi, where, like, you can't have life without death and things die and they decompose and they give, you know, nutrients needed for the next part of life and all that kind of stuff, like, yes, of course, if you consider that light and dark, then, like, yes, there needs to be a balance between those things. Whereas if you get into specifics, like a lot of the things the Sith are doing, be it force lightning or force choking people, you don't need that. I mean, there's, that's, <laughs> just, that's a little much, guys. Um, yeah. So I, I think that you can kind of, if you get it in too small and too specific of a thing, it, it doesn't make sense anymore. This mm-hmm. story kind of did both because there was the vagueness of the statues and like the colors in them. But then it was also very specific about this one jedi's fight against the mm-hmm. sith who by the way had a very obi-wan moment in episode one right like at the end of the yep. fight oh yeah um but i i don't know again i wasn't that invested in that specific kind of jedi story to begin mm-hmm. with so it didn't really mean a whole lot to me in the moment totally and also is this um their interpretation of yoda is that who this is no that is. I a, got a Yoda type being, but a, I thought about it. I got a Yoda, Yoda vibe. If it's only. a camel and a hamster put together is <laughs> yeah, what that clearly. is. Clearly, Jedi Master Campster. Uh, yeah, <laughs> love Camp that guy. Campster. All right, so that one was. So yeah, a little more time would have been great, but very yeah. big. You know, light side, dark side vibes. Now our next one, Episode Six, completely different. Um, in in more ways than one. Uh, this was the Spy Dancer. Uh, from Studio La Cachette from France. Uh, they've worked on a bunch of stuff, including, fun fact, Gendy Tartakovsky's Primal, I found out. So they worked with Gendy on some stuff. Uh, within this short, a dancer at a famous Imperial nightclub uses the power of spectacle to distract stormtroopers and plant trackers on officers to help the burgeoning rebellion. However, she slips up when she believes that she spots an enemy from her past and the whole operation is put in danger. However, after she and her sister take on the entire battalion within a single performance, she discovers that the phantom she feared is someone far different and far more important. Thus far, I think this is probably the most visually unique one that we found. So I just want to get your guys' initial vibe on this episode. Um, Charles, you d- I'm going to call you out. You did write in our Slack. I didn't uh, like it. When this okay didn't like it go on expand. I did not like it. This was one I think that the animation style took me the longest to get into. Um, mm-hmm. it, I mean, by the end, like I knew kind of what I was looking at, and like it didn't take me out of it per se. This just was. It, this happened to not be my cup of tea. I felt like it, you hate the French. No, I don't hate the French. It just it <laughs> you're felt, a freedom fries kind of guy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels unfinished. It feels unfinished to me. Like it, it almost feels like halfway between a storyboard and a finished product. And oh, for whatever reason, I, I just didn't, I didn't prefer it. Not your style, for sure. Wes, what do you think, man? Um, this was the favorite of the five for me. Um, I really liked it. So, mm-hmm. um, I thought it was a little too convenient that the person that she thought was um, the basically like the Krennic that came and stole yeah. her baby was the actual person that did it. And then she showed up and was like, oh, my God, who are you? And it's like, 
of course it's my son here. Yeah. Like that's like it's uh, Star I mean, Wars, man. It's convenient. always your baby. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I like the story. I like the concept. Um, I liked how they in, in, incorporated like all of the all the ribbons, like a um, mm-hmm. like you see in like Circus Soleil or something yep. like that. Yep. Um, so it was, that was really cool to see. Um, but the story itself, um, at the very uh, spoiler alert, obviously, but um, these type of species that the um, lady and the I don't know if that's her daughter or that's somebody Maybe that's her sister. Um, okay. Yeah. And and the uh, like the mechanic or something that that uh, gentleman there. Yeah. They all had the same um, like horns, I guess, on their mm-hmm. on their forehead. Um, so uh, different colored eyes. Yeah. Different right, colored right, right. eyes. Oh yeah, because yes. he had the eye patch. That's right. Yes. And then towards the end, like um, so. This gentleman that she was about to assassinate um, turns out to be her son, who was taken by the Krennic lookalike mm-hmm. um, and groomed to be a Empire agent or an Empire. It looks like a some type of a uh, general or something, but um, he's higher up. And then um, she finds she hugs him at the very end and gives yeah. him a uh, tracker. And before that, I mean, she was throwing trackers all over the place. So everybody was watching the show, and she was just tossing trackers. Just tossing trackers out like nobody saw these things. Yep. And they are all getting stuck on their back, or they were getting stuck on their gun, or getting Dude, stuck on their helmet. they were beeping loudly, and one of them was <laughs> literally stuck inside a helmet where your ear would go. I was like, that's the worst throw ever. Killed it. <laughs> but towards the very end, he takes his hat off, and he feels like his... Horns that he, I'm guessing, had cosmetically removed. Yeah, that's a vibe so, I got. Yeah, he has. Uh, so he just he has like a blemish there where you can tell. Yeah. Um, so I thought that. I mean, I thought that was a good story told within. I think this one was 20 minutes though, right? So that, yeah, this was a little longer than uh, the other ones. Was she a Jedi? Was she force sensitive? I don't think because so. Because she did insane things. Beyond just ribbon dancing, like there was one point where a stormtrooper shot at her point blank, like oh, three yeah. times, she, and she dodged she all three of them. And I was like, <coughs> "Yeah, what? Like, she yeah. was using her her like her pointer killer to like you know deflect, yeah, deflect. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. how are you doing that? I don't. There, there yeah. are moments in these Practice, where like, dude. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, there are moments Get in good. these though that don't that don't adhere to classically Star Wars kind of rules, true. if you will. That's true. Which mm-hmm. is part of the fun. Don't get me wrong, but there's a couple things like that. I will say specifically took me a little bit out of that when I was like, oh, okay, she's force sensitive, and that's why that Imperial officer must have stolen her baby. Otherwise, is he just kicking indoors and stealing their babies and raising them as his own children? But apparently, no. Apparently, he just chose oh, yeah. her at random, <laughs> took her baby, and yeah, now he's an Imperial he's like, officer. Oh, I'm not going to kill a baby. I'm not, I'm not a monster. <laughs> I'm I'll not, burn this village down. Sick. I'm not going to kill a baby. <laughs> like, why her baby? Yeah. Why her baby? I think it's just because it's a baby. I would, I, and I think that that's like... Um, I forget what – there's, like, a classic story that does a similar thing. I can't remember because I got so many, like, feels of, like, World War II drama, like Casablanca and stuff like that where, like, the Nazis and stuff would come and sit and have drinks in this club and then, like, literally in, in this French restaurant in Casablanca and they'd have to sing for them. And, like, that that idea of having to sit and perform entertainment for your captors and for these fascist government things – felt so real and it almost felt a little uh, andor-esque to me of like mm. watching the empire come in like when cassian goes to that club in the first episode and those cops are there and he's just like i'm not i'm not messing with you i'm not doing anything yeah. but they're always kind of looking for a fight and 
watching her do her dance, which yes, uh, thank you, Jared, which he did with the power of anime um, on his side, <laughs> on her side, um, like just the the amount of volume and space she took up, like realizing both one how beautiful it was and how skillful she was, but then also the emotionality of having to perform for people that took your child from you for years and having them be like, yeah, you're so good. This is so fun. I'm just a derpy dude. Like, (laughs) was, I think, a really nice choice. And similar to you, Wes, um, I get how the animation can kind of be different for some folks. Uh, This is probably my favorite out of this batch as well. Uh, um, I think it just emotionally hit really well, and I I really liked the, I guess, risks it took with bending the ideas of reality. Because I think that while I also did not know necessarily the laws of the universe by the end of the episode i still had a, had a really good time uh watching it and this this might be one that i do return back to if i if i do at all just for the visuals and because i think at the end they really they really stick the landing there um yeah this last moment of him kind of realizing you know what's better than than sons realizing they've failed their parents in star wars it's <laughs> it's it's so classic <laughs> now the next one though is one of speaking of classic i think is Maybe the most classic Star Wars one we get uh, in this particular batch. This is the Bandits of Golak, or Golak, uh, by 88 Pictures out of India. And in this one, a brother and sister are making their way to a secluded village to find safety from the Empire. Again, another Empire. I like the Empire episodes best, I think. On the way, the sisters' latent force abilities make themselves known, and they put the pair in massive danger. As they finally seek refuge in, the, in their calm destination, the safe haven is revealed to be a hidden Jedi temple, where a surprising master fends off the Inquisitors who have come to take the child away. This was straight up a Clone Wars episode. This was visually very similar. <laughs> I felt like the storytelling was very much like... Oh, this was on a planet, and I, I could easily see this being a one-off in like Clone Wars season five. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, with Purge Troopers well, from Obi Wan. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you say a Clone Wars episode. I, I say, well, I guess so. I mean, I say Rebels basically just because yeah. I've seen the sure. um, the Inquisitor, the Inquisitor yep. blade on his back. Um, but this guy's mustache game was mm. off the oh, charts, right? Unbelievable, unparalleled, <laughs> unparalleled. You know, but this and uh, we were talking a little bit before um, before the show started. But this was like the animation in this one, mm-hmm. and these. Uh, I'm gonna steal your. I'm gonna steal what you're talking about, Charles. The slow mo that was in it, um, so and so also look like at, look at. I mean, sorry, the screenshot you're showing yeah. us, and then I want you to continue. Look at like straight up Terra Sanube back there. Out of yeah. Clone Wars, yes. in the back right. <laughs> I love true. seeing him. I love seeing yeah, him. Yeah, but this the slow mo that they had in there, and then also um, uh, the fighting and the dual saber that the Jedi had. Oh. Um, that was super cool. So this was this story felt to me like it was thoroughly thought out to where it was like we only got fifteen minutes. Yep. Let's make it balanced from beginning to end. Yep. Um, and um, why doesn't that little girl just listen to her freaking brother? Stop messing around so much and fun. floating stuff. So much fun. Uh, We're playing bandits, There are lollipops. <laughs> there are lollipops around. So, you can't expect her to act rationally. I mean... Bro, there is a moment where... <sighs> you know how uh, in, in uh, Jedi Fallen Order there is that meme where, where Grease is just pouring salt for like... Endlessly. Five minutes yes. straight in that cutscene? <laughs> there was a point in this episode where that guy who was selling lollipops was just 
compiling maybe 15 lollipops for us. I'm like, yeah. who is buying all of these lollipops? <laughs> I know. It was an excessive Even in the camp, amount. like, that's what they were eating Some for rich dinner. Jerk. I was just like, yeah. guys. Um, I am kind of hungry. Anything from the trolley deers? Like, <laughs> we'll very we'll much. Have to um, this one, I think, was maybe tied for my favorite. It might be my favorite. I might come back and say it's my favorite by the end once we talked about the mm-hmm. others. Um, part of it, I think, was the familiarity for uh, the animation style because it was very Clone Wars. But the other yep. part of it was exactly what you said was it felt well thought out. Like this was yes. this was a great execution of a story from beginning to end. Like even the tiny little things that they did that came back later on with the flute and whatnot, like all oh, of it yeah. really, really yeah. well done. Um I, I don't know. The sandstorm, the fight was very epic. I mean yeah. all of it. And the Inquisitor, by the way terrifying like they're they're very scary yeah they're inquisitors who i don't find scary like they're just kind of goofy and like this and that even though we ended up seeing this guy die after a couple of minutes like he was he was terrifying (laughs) yeah yeah and 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 i love the the jedi the jedi master as well you know i'm I'm a sucker for the oh i just have a cane i'm old to like nope it's a lightsaber i mean yeah terrace new right yeah exactly um like love that and I love the protecting that she had over this temple. I loved the uh, the parting of the water, yeah. and then it turns out it was oh, a secret yeah. underwater cave entrance. Straight so biblical, like, bro. Straight biblical, man. <laughs> We're talking Solomon. We're talking Moses. No, but the water uh, and stuff in the sandstorm specifically looked very good. Like for yeah. being animated, I I was yep. very impressed with those kind of elements. Yeah. That is one of the hardest things to do in animation is Ugh. to do water. Yep. Because it can, you know, it looks fake because <laughs> it looks fake. Mm-hmm. There's either it, it, it's either it's fake or it's like ah, they, they did pretty good. But yep. there's no really in between. You have to like kill it with the with the water animation. Nobody so, in a video game has fantastic. ever drank a glass of water convincingly. <laughs> <laughs> ever. <laughs> uh yeah, no, this this one top to bottom, though, I, I did end feeling like I didn't need more. I would like it, but I didn't feel robbed or rushed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. super well done. Huge fan of that. And I also like the fact that, like, this was a studio out of India, and as you watched it, you're like, yes, absolutely. There's very yeah. – tons of cultural references, all the character models, things like that. Like, it was very much – we're shooting our shot, we're honoring our culture while making it as Star Wars as possible. I'm like, yep. That's it. You know what? You know what else I thought this one did well. Um, I thought that it had like a healthy balance or like a good Star Wars esque balance of action and humor. Like in particular, when things are so tense in that moment before the battle happens, and all of the trays of food drop on people, and those two guys that have been arguing the Ugnaught and whatever the giant was, he He just hits hits him with the pan, like for. Just to get a little revenge like that. Yeah. I don't know. It, it felt very Star Wars to me, top to bottom. So I really loved it. Yeah. I just, I gotta, man, I couldn't believe I, I like yes. stopped right on this. Yes. He just backhands him. He doesn't even hit him. It's so That's funny. even worse. It's I so funny. It. Yeah. Really, really, really great episode. Yeah. Uh, and then we got episode eight, The Pit. So here's, here's it this was episode. The pit. It was The Pit. Uh, it's from Studio Card, Darge Tashio, and, uh, and Lucasfilm. Uh, limited, actually. People from Lucasfilm worked on it, uh, but the main studio is out of Japan. Within this episode, a group of people are imprisoned and put to work digging a giant pit for the Empire to mine Kyber. 
Once the work is done, they are then left to die until one of their own climbs out to get help from the surrounding city. Unfortunately, his cries are largely ignored, and the Empire seizes him and returns him to the pit where he is thrown to his death. However, the people are drawn to the chance of those who remain and end up rescuing them after all as they follow the light to find them. Uh, fun fact about this episode, a lot of folks may have noticed. Uh, David Diggs of Hamilton fame stars as Crux, who is the main kind of dude. Uh, very recognizable voice. This one wasn't that good. <laughs> so this one, if I can just jump in. I have a lot of questions about it. So. Yeah, like this one, to me... The idea, if you boil it down, I see how it has to do with Star Wars. But, like, outside of the basic idea of, like, follow the light or whatever, literally didn't need to have anything to do with Star Wars. Bunch of people dug a pit, stuck at the bottom. They hope that people find them, and they do. It didn't need to be the Empire. It didn't need to be anything else. I mean, it just... That's what, like, a couple hundred yards? It's very close. (laughs) I mean, it's very close. Very close. Yeah, and they didn't yes. follow the light. They followed their voices Sound. screaming for yeah. help. Like, I mean, just, yeah, it, 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 I don't know. I did not enjoy this one at all. It was easily my least favorite. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things in here. It's actually pretty sick. You know, like, first of all, how do you find the area to dig? Did they start in a smaller part of that corner of that hole there and just kept going around and around and around until they found the right spot? Or do they have, like, a giant hybrid detector or something that floats over and like, oh, right here, start digging here, start digging here. But like, and they did it. All right, we hit the bottom, leave them and then just take (laughs) off. But then what was the bottom, by the way? You didn't. You hit the core of the planet. Like, why I feel is like there it's a, a core of yeah, planets like, or something like that? And where where were all the yellow spotted lizards that are supposed to be on in these holes? I'm tired of digging. You damn it! Well, and then so um, the guy, like the main character, is trying to climb out, and he's like, "I'm gonna climb out. I'm gonna go get help, and they're gonna come." And they're like, "No, just stay down here. It's safer." It's like you're gonna starve yeah, to death, right. dude. Yeah. Like, how, it's gonna how rain. else? It's I mean, I've seen this play out a lot of times. Roller Coaster Tycoon back in the day. I used to just dig holes and leave all the patrons in there once I got bored. Yep. The food prices are too high. Drown for it then. Yeah, there was just there was that kind of morbid um action sequence, I guess if you call it that. But then the main character gets caught and they not, they don't just push him in. They do one of those things where you and your buddies at the pool when you were like young kids, you would want to like throw, you swing them back and yeah. forth and then throw them in the pool. Like I was like, this is this is an animated, this is, okay, this is a cartoon. It's fine. You're going to throw him in. He, I don't know, he somehow survives. And, no. Nope. He died. He fell to his death. Like, he was absolutely. hard. <laughs> like super hard. And he wouldn't have looked. That, that, it's great because they didn't show his face. I'm sure his eyes popped out of his head or something. Oh, yeah, it was probably awful. Because they, they just put a sheet yeah. over him. But, I like, that was it. Yeah. And then the people came because they heard everybody, like, screaming and crying, not because they heard the light. Yeah. But the mother the mother was there, was like, you're right. She's listening to this daughter. It's like, well, you know, they need to see the light or something like that. And she's like, you know what? You're right. And I was like, no, you're not right. Your no. <laughs> child just died, and you need to scream yeah. for help. Right. That you know, that's the thing. Me. It's like everyone starts like calmly chanting, "Follow the light." Fo-. And I'm like, did y'all were you, were y'all not just screaming? Help! Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're stuck here. We could have figured this out a long time yeah. ago. That dude did not need to die. And this one also had a post-credit <laughs> scene. 
Where, yes, where, which yeah. was the best part. Those little aardvark looking guys were my favorite part of this whole episode. Yeah, they were great. And then they showed like the graffiti tag, which which looked cool. But I'm like, okay. Oh, okay yeah, it didn't yeah. really feel meaningful. No. That was it. So, I mean, it looks pretty, but yeah, this one, this one was kind of a miss. Stephanie, in the chat, loved it. Great, fight me, fight me. I shall not. But I will. Th- we will chuck you into a pit. <laughs> oh, I'm glad people loved it. I will say that. Yes, about it. Yeah. absolutely. Um, and then we finish off with Awu's song, uh, which is from Triggerfish, which is a South African animation company. Um. Very unique. This one goes like this. Uh, Au, a young child on the planet filled with Kyber, another Kyber story, discovers that she has a unique talent. When she sings, it awakens Kyber crystals littered throughout her planet. Her gift is discovered and almost brings destruction to her family, but eventually she's able to utilize it to cleanse all of the Kyber crystals on her planet from Sith influence, and she follows a local Jedi to study among the stars. So this one was very, very different uh, because it has this yarn aesthetic that we're seeing on screen right now. All the mm-hmm. characters are kind of like stop motion, yarn, felt animated. Yeah. Um, so we, we've talked a lot about familiarity this episode and how that kind of was good and, and rough at some points. Zero familiarity with the visual style of this one. <laughs> uh, what did you guys think about this and how did it draw you in with this kind of more subtle emotional uh, story? This one didn't hit for me. Fair. Plain and simple. But the um, thing that I really thought was cool was, even though it was animated, I mean, you could see the little fibers that were on the end of her nose and, like, off of her face. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it was it was legit yarn that you were looking at. So I don't know if it was actual, like, a little, a little yarn character that they made or a little yeah. stuffed animal or something, but it was legit, like... Very, very detailed to where mm. you can see like the little fibers coming off of their face. So yeah. I thought that was neat. But, yeah, um... <laughs> we gotta watch the behind the scenes thing that Je- that uh, we gotta go watch the behind the scenes stuff that Tim talked about last week to see what that was. Yeah. Okay. I I am going to sound like a gigantic hypocrite, but I loved this one. This is the Yo! one that is tied with the Bandits one for me, for my favorite out of these ones at least. Well, actually, out of the six that I've watched. I don't yeah. know why. Um, I thought it was, it's almost like if you're going to be unique, like be really unique. And yeah. like, for instance, to go back to the mm-hmm. dancer one, right? Like there were a lot of aspects of it visually that were unique, but it still was trying to really draw upon a lot of classic Star Wars things. And so it felt almost like a clash to me in a way. Or is this just felt like. It felt. It felt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um <laughs> This one was so unique, and it didn't try to be anything other than what it was, and I really, really loved that. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I thought the the animation was so impressive. Like the story was so different. Um, I don't know. I really can't explain it. Even like the singing aspect and like the voice aspect was all so unique. I was just kind of entranced. This was one where I didn't check how much time was left. And that's a very telling thing if it's only 18 minutes long. Yeah. I I, I got to say, I was listening to it, and I'm like, kid's voice is fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Because I couldn't get it better singing. Like, no, like I, freaking Randy <laughs> from American Idol. Wasn't that his name? He's yeah. like, it's a no for me, dog. It's a no for me, dog. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm, I'm glad you're awakening and cleansing all that Kyber, but you're not going to Hollywood. So. You're not beating. You're not beating. Uh, you're not going to Vegas or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm kind of somewhere in the middle of you guys. This one didn't do a ton for me. I liked it. I guess I'm more in your camp, Wes. Like, I really respected the craft that went into it. Like, it is super well made, especially when we get to the to the stuff at the end where, like, the Jedi ignites the saber and, like, goes down the mountain and, like, does that. I mean, that stuff's crazy because it's all that was it's great. Felt. It's yarn. Like, it's, it's – how do you do that stuff? I don't even know. And I liked the thematic stuff about, you know, the cleansing of the Kyber and stuff, very Ahsoka-y mm-hmm. as far as the, the book goes and – I'm a huge fan of the bleeding and cleansing of kyber crystal lore. I think that's always fun. I think they did that very well here. And, yeah, as Stephanie says in the chat, I think this one did feel, like, very innocent and very wondrous and, and like, a child looking at the Force as opposed to Screecher's Reach from last week, which is a child looking at the dark side and being like, okay, I guess this is a child using her abilities to cleanse the Force and then go off in search of adventure. Which I think is very fun, very Star Wars esque. So yeah. I think it's very true to itself. I, I think this is actually one of, weirdly, I thought it was one of the shorter ones, if I remember correctly. But I do think, similar to um, Bandits, similar to Skydancer, I think it's t- told a full story. And then I think retroactively really shows the ones that didn't. Because Agreed. I don't think it is a timing thing, it's a pacing thing. And it's really uh, what you put in there. I mean, they, they basically had a crawl, too. I mean, they had. That text at the beginning yeah. of the episode. Yeah, that was you know? cool, actually. That was one thing I enjoyed. That gives you the backstory, much like any classic Star Maybe, Wars. Maybe, honestly, yeah. they should all have a crawl. It, that's a great point. Providing that framework right off Why the not? bat is... Wow, that mm-hmm. looks great. Yeah, that's so cool. You know what the animation reminded me a little bit of? Not that this movie is like felt and like those kind of... I don't know. You can see like the actual particles of whatever the materials but did y'all ever watch that movie kubo kubo yeah, and the, kubo two, the strings. two strings it's so bro, good bro. it's so good and for some reason i got kubo vibes from this animation oh you got me there that's great god that movie is fantastic i love Guys, that movie this weekend go watch across the spider-verse and kubo and the two strings and then nothing else <laughs> the best uh yeah, that's that is a pretty good comparison. And, and on that note, I want to ask you guys because Visions is kind of all over the place, which is great to an extent, and I think to another extent, it, it does hinder it a little bit. But the order of the episodes interests me because they obviously did something for a reason. You know, I, I think they put a lot of Sith the first uh, in the trailer. It's like the center of the poster. They started off with that. Same with Ronan, and then ending with this. I thought it was a fascinating decision because it's like, and that's it. And that's what Vision Season 2 is for the viewer. What did you guys think about the choice to end with something that was this different? Hmm. Maybe the, if, if they get a <coughs> third season green-lighted, um, maybe they come back around to the light side when they start doing that. Because they have Season 1 is blue in the, like, poster the title scene season two is red so i mean jared's here now maybe season three is gray oh gray jared (laughs) you must be stopped i mean maybe they were like this this has been too dark 
Like the lineup is actually too yeah, dark. We gotta sure. like we it's gotta end on season. a light note. That's a great point. Yeah, because they're looking at the season as a whole. You know, we start out with Sith, which is a pretty dark episode. I mean, ends with her winning, but it's a lot of darkness in there. Or she kind of mm-hmm. becomes a Sith, maybe. Screechers Reach, the darkest one we probably get. Uh, also ends with someone being a Sith. In the Stars ends with people being the last two of their species. Pretty dark. I'm your brother. Very fun. Journey to Darkhead, decapitation of a, of a Sith. Pretty dark. The Spy Dancer loses everything. Uh, finds out her son is an Imperial, and maybe that's going to be good, maybe not. The Bandits of Golok has an Inquisitor who's terrifying. The Pit has someone chucked into a pool of death. <laughs> so they're like, you know what? Empty pool of Here's death. Here's the end. Yeah, empty pool of death. <laughs> Chucking someone into an empty pool. Oh, no. And then this one, I think that's a good point, that you end with something that is lighter, that is hopeful. And good yeah. wins, and there's felt, and it's bright. That's a good point. Maybe that is why they ended that way. That they kind of want to end on a higher note. I don't mind that yeah, I was at all. Looking, I was looking back through um, season one towards the end, and um, kind of seems all over the place. Not, really, but it was more. Yeah. <laughs> all of these, all of season one was more Jedi versus the Sith. Jedi versus the Sith. Jedi versus the Sith. Um, the last five, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so it shows like Akiri was the last one, and I was trying to think like, does this one end more on? a sorrow or a kind of Sith level, but it didn't. It's just a, it was just Jedi versus Sith. Yeah. Says. But I thought that maybe, maybe there was something in the planning to where season one starts at the light side and then goes a little bit dark. And mm-hmm. then we go from the dark and back to the light. And then we just have this wave. But, um, I think we're thinking way too hard into this. <laughs> I think they just, they just upload it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so then, Let's 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 think a little hard here as as we wrap up and look back at the season as a whole. Um, Charles, I know you said you had some some thoughts on the season <clears throat> that you want to get out. So I want to I want to hear those, and then I want to hear your your guys' thoughts on the future of Visions as an initiative. You know, should it keep going? Um, if if theoretically there are a limited amount of Star Wars products that can be made, right? If we're saying there is a certain amount of resources that can be allocated, we would theoretically lose out on something else to keep visions is that worthwhile for us to keep going um and if so what some stuff we might want to see from season three and if not what might we want instead uh but charles i want to start with with your overall thoughts on the season that have been uh, burgeoning for you after watching these ones yeah so i think that for me it's got to be the right amount of uniqueness and the right amount of like making it feel like Star Wars, which is, there's definitely a balance there that you have to strike. But for sure, you know, I, I commented as we went, the ones that were really unique and really went for it, I, I kind of liked a lot of those things as long as they weren't breaking things that felt Star Warsy to me. So like the dance room we talked about, very unique, animation very different than anything else we'd seen, but there was stuff that was taking me out of the story. And like I need it to still feel grounded enough in Star Wars. So it's it's a balance. And I think also making it a complete story, like we talked about, is the other really important factor. So all that said, I really like Visions as an initiative. I don't have any problem with putting resources towards things like this for two reasons. One, uh, Star Wars Resistance had how many seasons? And that's a lot of resources <laughs> I would have rather put... Towards something oh, like man. this, fair. Just being Can't honest, I know, lot, I know, I know. JG loves that. Um, I'm sorry, JG. That's just my personal opinion. Um, 
The other thing is there are certain stories in here like the Bandits story where I know for a fact, despite how much Star Wars has tried in recent years, or at least since the Disney acquisition to be more inclusive, like there's no way there has been any near representation of Indian culture in Star Wars the way that there was in this 18 minutes that they put together. And so I know there are people out there watching these and they recognize elements of their culture that they really don't get to see on screen in massive properties like Star Wars. And I can't even imagine what that must feel like to them. So I really like how they, they gave these stories over to so many different groups of individuals. And I think that animation is a great way to do that. Um, it's not like, hey, here's a feature film and I hope that enough of the masses like this because we have to make back millions of dollars. No, it's like this is very classic like sandbox experimentation and some are going to hit and some are going to miss and it depends on the individual and the exact audience. But if it's hitting like that for someone out there, that's so important and so cool. I absolutely support it. I hope that there's going to be a vision season three. Love that. What's fun about you, man? Yeah. Well put, Charles. You took all the words out. I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> um, but, um, I mean, Visions, I'll take it or leave it. Um, the, the stories themselves are, I mean, they are good to watch to for pure entertainment. Um, I don't think that it, um, it either strengthens or weakens my love of Star Wars um, for the franchise or anything. Um, but, I mean, looking forward, I would hope... And speaking of season one and two, so season one was yeah. more J- Japanese, um, uh, Asian culture. Like we had, I don't know how many, how many episodes were like 10. I don't know. Um, so mm-hmm. I would hope that this is the turn, the tournament bracket has been set, right? Mm-hmm. So we take the ones from season one and the guys from season two and the, Best ones went out, and we have longer episodes from each of these studios. Because you can keep pumping out 20 minutes from each studios around the world, yeah. but give these guys yeah. a bigger platform. Give them a longer concept to, hey, now we've seen the feedback from these episodes and that people like them or whatever. We're going to give you another chance to make a longer episode and get your studio out there, get your cultural, like, philosophies and everything else out there i think that would be great but maybe they need a season three to do more studios from around the world and then just start picking the best ones and you just like go to the very end and you get like a i don't know hour-long special or something that's on well, it's um, weird they that they don't do something like that considering they made yeah. a novel based off of the pilot basically for this concept so it's like yeah right i mean it does make sense how cool would it be if they did what you're saying was like Everyone votes on like their favorite, and whichever one gets the most votes, you get a mini series spinoff. Like that would be mm-hmm. that'd be incredible. Yeah, yeah, I, I I love that idea, and I, I agree with you both on in, in a combination of like I would love these first two seasons to be used as like a training ground or an audition, which is what we've kind of speculated some of them might have been anyway for these animation studios to then get more work. I mean, that's how you get work. In entertainment, right? You make stuff, and then you show people the stuff you made, and they say, cool, here's money. Make more stuff. And I think that having these folks have their proof of concept within the smaller part of Visions would be great to have Season 3 be 
less episodes, longer episodes. If you need to keep it, you know, the same footprint, that's totally fine. I would love that. You know, even like in season one, I think the creators, if I remember correctly, the creators behind the ninth Jedi episode said like publicly in interviews, they said, oh no, we have a whole story. Like we have a whole movie like thing we can make with this. You know, and I think they are chopping at the bit to do it. So I would love that adjustment for season three to keep the cultural relevance, to keep the amount of unique artistry that they have going with it, but really take these this the time now between two and three to pick your studios, really give them some leash to work with. Because mm-hmm. I think they can really make something special. And even if it's like four forty minute episodes, whatever, you know, something like that, you know, I would love that. Now, is it gonna be for everybody, no. Like you said, uh, I'm I'm not going to revisit a ton of these all the time. It's not going to have an effect on the Star Wars canon as we need to. And maybe, like you said, Charles, for the longer one, there needs to be a little bit more of, okay, we're going to let you do this. You need to tie into Star Wars in this kind of way. Not canonically, but you do need to have, like, the Empire. Or you do need to have, like, some lightsabers. Like, something a little more specific so it's not just the vibe. But... I don't know. I think that could be really fun. I'm glad I watched these. I'm glad they exist. And I do think that they are more successful than some of the uh, canonical storytellings because I think there's less pressure for them to be as important. You know, we put in so much importance mm-hmm. to these things. They can just exist. So I hope yeah. they do let it. Them sh- let them stretch their legs. Yeah. Kind of feel out what they do. So. Absolutely. And give them money. That's yes. why. That's how you... That's how you get up to yeah. like make longer ones and more elaborate and better quality is give them money yeah. to actually do it. I mean, hey, apparently Disney's saving $1.5 billion this month from writing off all those shows that they cut, so oh, it's got to go somewhere, right? Somebody's bonus check. Jeez. Oh, I would love yeah. a one. You know what? Here, I'll, I'll be nice about it. I just need a $1.5 million bonus check. I'll, even, I'll, be the, I'll be the nice guy. That's it. I'm reasonable. Oh, man. Well, so that's that's our thoughts on Visions. I'm excited to see if it keeps coming back. Uh, you know, the next visual storytelling we're getting is Ahsoka. So I'm sure we're going to have a lot of episodes surrounding that when it comes out. But before all that, next Monday, June 12th, we are doing our High Republic Path of Vengeance roundtable. We're finishing up Phase 2 of the High Republic. And so I'm running this one. It's going to be very fun. And we're going to talk about this story, but I I have a feeling the majority of our conversation will not only be about those characters, it will be about Phase 2 as a whole now that we have the pieces. Um, so tune in for that. If you've been a fan of the show for a while, you know we've gone back and forth on the validity of Phase 2, on the choices of the artist to go back in time um, before Phase 3. Now that we have all the books in here, I'm very excited to talk with these fellas about how that worked for us and what we can look forward to in Phase 3 coming in the fall. So we'll see you for that next week, because for now, that will do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you support us on Patreon, thank you so much. A special thank you to Brian Dooley, Earl Q, Carl Sander, Zach W., and Michael Fry on our Jedi High Council, and James T., Ashley Ingalls, Colton Fife, and Chris Carrizo on our Alliance High Command. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson, Charles is at C. Hankel, Wes is at Boss West, and the show is at Living Forest Pod. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Charles and Wes for potting with me. Thanks to all of you for hanging out. And as always, may the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. 
there is union. There is no apathy, there is passion. There is no gatekeeping, there is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the force will be with you, always.